All right, news roundup information overload hour, 800-941-SHAWN, our number. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Now, we've discussed, um, and by the way, they're about to light the Christmas tree, the new Christmas tree at the Fox News Channel. Um, I think it's going to be bigger, at, and they, well, they call it Fox Square, and it's along 6th Avenue in New York City and 48th Street. If you live in the New York area, you want to go and stop by and see it. Uh, they're making a big deal about it. I will not be there, but if, you know, for people that want to, obviously I can't be here at the same time. Um, one of the things that has been pretty amazing, if you go back to the ratings of Johnny Carson, they were massive. I mean, massive, you know, 20 shares, 15 shares. I mean, even over the years, you go back to the, the days of Letterman versus Leno. I mean, Leno was easily four, five, six share in the ratings. And Letterman, you know, when he became political, his his ratings started to decline. And, and Leno, he, he didn't care who he was making fun of. He was just being funny. And that's what that's what's now missing from late, late night comics. You know, Colbert's show was pretty much dead, gone and buried. And then Donald Trump came on the scene and he built a little audience of I hate Donald Trump sycophants, never Trumpers, and he's not stopped the never-ending left-wing radical, you know, so-called humor that's not funny anymore. And people see it. You know, people like him and Kimmel and Fallon, they, they barely can reach 2 million viewers a night because that's not what people want from a comedian. And I think the comedian that steps forward... And one day is is just just trying to make you laugh before you go to sleep and non-political will be the one that breaks through. Now, it's interesting on the Fox News channel because Greg Gutfeld's late night show, which has a lot of humor in it. He's a very funny guy. He's a friend of the show. Um, Greg Gutfeld's show is now competing with these network shows and he's right on their ass. And it's it's in large part because he's the only one that has a different political viewpoint. Anyway, and and for him, anything that's funny is fair game. Um, so Colbert last night and Joe Concha had a really interesting tweet over this. He said overpaid, predictable, second place, late night comic, self-proclaimed devout Christian celebrating arson of a Christmas tree. There's what happened last night with Colbert. The holiday season is in full swing already here in New York. The Christmas lights are burning bright, especially over at Fox News headquarters. <laughs> Where last night the Fox News Christmas tree was set on fire. Now, I know what you're thinking, but the ghost of Hugo Chavez has an alibi. <laughs> Thankfully, no one was hurt. We're not talking about a couple of toasted pine cones here. Take a look. Crispy Kringles. Of course, this would never have happened if the tree had a gun. Come on. You gotta give a squirrel, give a squirrel a gun or something like that. Fox News tried to warn us this was coming. Every time a store clerk says happy holidays, a Christmas tree bursts into flames. In New York uh, at midnight last night, the Fox News Christmas tree was engulfed in flames. The fire is believed to have started after Fox News's pants caught on fire. But the fire is believed to have started because Judge Jeanine Pirro ate one too many rum balls and breathed on a cigarette. Someone set fire 
to the 50-foot Christmas tree outside the Fox News studios. And it's not clear how this happened. I mean, it could be an accident, could be arson, could be Santifa. It's not clear. And unfortunately, we can't ask the tree because like all Fox employees, it had to sign an NDA. And honestly, even calling this thing a tree is such a stretch. Because I don't know if you saw this, once the flames went out, it turns out that this thing was just like scaffolding covered in pine needles. I'm sorry, but that's not a tree. That's just a jungle gym with a body hair problem. All right. So, you know, some of it was mildly funny, um, but it's the never and that's all they will joke about is anything conservative. You know, I mean, you would think that Joe Biden being incoherent would be a great source of material for late night comics. They never do it ever. That's how partisan they become. And it's reflected, you know, they've got, you know, they're barely, comp- they're way under 2 million viewers, mo- these shows a night. If you get to the Trevor Knowers and the Seth, whatever, what's that guy's name? Seth Myers of the world. Um, they're under a million viewers a night. These are broadcast channels. This was unheard of. Anyway, joining us to weigh in, Joe Concha is with us. Uh, he, of course, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill. Uh, Carol Roth, author of The War on Small Business. You know, it's mildly funny, but the problem is it's so predictable, as you said in your tweet, Joe, that it's every second, every day, every show, every every single comedian. They're all the same. It's not comedy, Sean. It's like watching an extension of CNN. It's not even... I, I, I'm it's, not like C- at- it's like fake news CNN with a yuck here and there. <laughs> right, right. And CNN, of course, now stands for the craptastic news network, right? Or the chaos news network, or whatever you right. want to call it. They've got their own problems. We could talk about that at another time. But you mentioned Colbert has something like 17 writers. He's got multiple producers. He's got an army over there to do that show every night. And Gutfeld, and I know this for a fact in talking to Greg, he doesn't have any army of writers. He doesn't have an army of producers. He's basically kind of doing it on his own and maybe like two or three other people. And let me give you the latest numbers. Gutfeld averaging 2.1 million viewers. Colbert, 1.9 million. He's beating the broadcast guy who has a six-year head start in that particular time slot. And then Seth Myers, he can't even get a million, to your point. And you played Trevor Noah, would never be confused with Jon Stewart. He can't even get 500,000 viewers over at The Daily Show. And let me give you one more number before you go to Carol, because I know she has a lot of interesting things to say here. You mentioned Carson before. Carson averaged 15 million viewers a night in the 1980s. Leno and Letterman, 5 million, 4.5 million. It ain't even close now because half the country is predispositioned to know they're not going to watch because they know what they're going to get, which is conservative bashing and not a lot of comedy, quite frankly. And Leno, and listen, Carson embraced people of all political persuasions. He'd have on, you know, people from Reagan, uh, people, feminists, activists, you know, Jane Fonda. He put anybody on his show. And yeah. with every single guest, he wasn't berating them or mocking them. He would inquire. He would ask. He'd throw in jokes every single time. And the same with Leno and Letterman up to a point. And then went, as soon as Letterman went harder and harder left, he started losing audiences. The, the gap between him and Leno grew pretty dramatically. Carol. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. If you think back to sort of the heyday of Letterman and what is it that we love to watch? We like to watch 
stupid pet tricks. We liked the quarterback challenge. You wanted the escapism. You didn't want to be berated with, you know, this political talking down, like, every single moment. And even when the shows of the past did it, it was, you know, funny, or at least you were in on the joke. If you remember during the OJ trial, Jay Leno had the dancing Edos and, uh, for Judge Lance Edo, which again was like completely absurd, but it was kind of this funny running joke. If they were really wanting to cover the news and do something topical, I mean, the Jussie Smollett trial provides all kinds of humor that we should all be laughing at together, but they won't touch that with a 10 foot pole because, you know, that's all about MAGA country. You know, that's such a good point. I mean, those would be ripe for, for comments, commentary, Joe Biden's, you know, cognitive decline. I'm sorry, but they would they would find ways to make it funny. It would be sad, but they wouldn't dare touch it, Joe. And you have the sound bites to work with. It's not like you even have to find a Biden impersonator. Just play a clip like we was talking about yesterday about gas prices. And they're down 20 cents. No, he means $20. No, he means below $3. No, they're below $2. It's just completely and totally writes itself in these situations. Or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I am certain there is material there. When she denies that smash and grab looting isn't really going on, and then you just juxtapose, it's called a split screen, very easy in your show. Oh, it's so easy. That writes itself, Sean. I hate to tell you, I mean, we do a lot of this, and it, you know, for a long time, Carol, I was mocking Joe Biden's, you know, cognitive gas, and at some point I began to realize this this isn't funny anymore. This guy's a mess. And it's it's now getting, I think, progressively, discernibly worse on a daily basis. Now we're headed towards a real crisis in the country and the world. And the serious side of me takes over because, uh-oh, you know, look at what Putin's doing. Look at what President Xi is doing. He's lifting sanctions on the mullahs in Iran. Our economy is an utter mess. And this guy can't put a, a coherent sentence together. It's not funny to me anymore. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point, Sean. Um, you know, it, and, you know, one sense you want to kind of laugh because it's the only coping mechanism. But the reality is that the average American is having to live through these things. And with his cognitive decline, he has all of these other people who seem to be running the agenda and also repainting the agenda. You know, on the economy, you have the White House chief of staff, who it, I like to call Ron Klain, quote-unquote, economic genius trademark, uh, who comes to try and tell you how great the economy is in the same breath when we've just got numbers that total employment level is still 3.5 million people down from where it was in February 2020, and about 2.4 million people have exited the workforce. So it, it is a tough situation. It's impacting every American. And, you know, we try to have these moments of humor so we can cope, um, but it is a pretty serious situation. Well, it's it's serious enough that, in fact, it's going to now play out before the entire world here. Quick break. We'll come back more with Joe Concha, Carol Roth, and your calls, 800-941-SEAN, our number. All right, we continue. Yeah, late night comedy is uh, not scoring big in the ratings anymore because they're not funny and they're very partisan. We continue our discussion with Joe Concha and Carol Roth. Um, you know, I'm watching what's going on at CNN, and I know you have a lot to say about it, Joe Concha, and you might have been surprised that I took the position that, 
you know, it's not the worst offense in the world that that Cuomo was defending his brother, Andrew. My guess is, my strong guess is, as Andrew Cuomo was not telling the the truth to the world, nor was he telling the truth to his brother. And, you know, the, you don't stop being a brother just because you have a TV show. And I don't believe that CNN was out of the loop on this at all. I think they were fully aware when they they in the beginning of covid when chris would bring on his brother uh what was going on they didn't see a conflict then uh they were fully aware he acknowledged and apologized as the network asked him to do i'm sure as it relates to the when he was first implicated in the idea that he was helping his brother um and what we really learned from the attorney general and the release of these documents is not much different than that, which we already knew. So what? He's helping his brother. I get it. His brother probably lied to him. I think the point you make around did senior management know and when did they know it? The top brass. That's more important right now. And, and Chris Cuomo is going to sue if he already hasn't started that process. CNN for the remainder of his contract at something like $18 million. And he says that his bosses there knew exactly what they were doing and they what he was doing, and they were okay with it. Now, when the discovery period comes out at this point, when Cuomo has texts or emails showing that to be true, then what happens at CNN? Because that's when things really implode. Because remember, John Malone now is the biggest shareholder of CNN. Who's John Malone? He's a pretty big deal in media, mainly radio. And Liberty Media is what he's the CEO of. And he literally said on CNBC, of all places, Carol's former home, that the CNN needs to go back to doing journalism, and Fox News does a good job at doing journalism. This is all on CNBC. It's just remarkable to watch. So if that's the case, and now the scuttlebutt is that there's going to be many heads rolling at CNN as they make that pivot back, because whatever they're doing now isn't working. When you lose eight and ten of your viewers since the beginning of the year, which they have done, and you're losing to the Food Network, INSP, which plays Gunsmoke reruns, I'm not joking with you, TLC, two Hallmark channels, and a Partridge in a Pear Tree, when you're losing all those channels, Sean, you got problems. You got to make changes, just like a football team. If they're 0 and 11, you fire the coach and you get new players. The, the bottom line is, I don't call for boycotts, firings, cancellations. That's up to the audience, Carol. I think you're right, and I have to say, Joe Concha, I like the Food Network. I really enjoy. I don't know how to cook, but I enjoy watching a good Food okay. Network show. <laughs> and you know, it's just. I have to back up, Sean, for a second, because I said the same thing about Chris Cuomo. You know, it's human nature. Of course, if you're in a position and you're going, you have a family member who is in need, you're going to help them. And, of course, the family member is going to paint it to you as, oh, this person's trying to run me into the ground. Can you help? I don't see the issue in that. The issue is for CNN to decide if it's a conflict of interest for somebody to be interviewing their brother. And if they decide that that's not, I feel like that's more of a network issue than it is uh, an anchor issue. So it will be very interesting to see if it gets to the point where there is uh, you know, any discovery of this information or if they want to settle it and put the kibosh on it so it never makes the light of day. All right. Thank you, Carol Roth, Joe Concha, 800-941-SEAN, our number. When we come back, we'll hit the phones. Quick break, right back. All right, a verdict has been uh, reached, 25 now, to the top of the hour in the Jesse Smollett trial. And uh, this is, what, nearly three years after he told police two Trump-loving bigots beat him up, tied a noose around his neck, doused him in bleach on a blistering night 
in January. We might get the the verdict read in this half hour, so we're on we're on verdict watch, obviously. Um, and you know, a lot of information came out there. Defense vehemently maintaining Smollett was the victim of a real hate crime. Jesse Smollett taking the stand in this case. He called the uh, brothers sophisticated liars and criminal. The brothers are the people that were involved that turned on him. 13 witnesses and um, a lot of text messages and, and private messages back and forth. Uh, the tape of Jesse Smollett the day before doing what they called a dry run through. Uh, this is going to be very interesting to see which way this this all goes. So we're watching that this half hour. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. We'll get to your calls here in a minute. I want to remind you, you've all heard me raving about MyPillow.com, how it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer ever since I've gotten it. You know, these pillows are amazing. They don't go flat. You can wash them and dry them constantly, and they're made in the USA. Now, if you don't own one or you know someone that doesn't, uh, and they have sleep issues, now's the time. Because Mike Lindell is now offering the lowest price ever. This is the, the pillow that started it all. Nineteen ninety eight. Originally it was sixty nine ninety eight, fifty dollars savings. The king is only ten bucks more. It's real simple to order. Uh you just go to mypillow.com, click on the Sean Hannity Square, or call eight hundred nine one nine six zero nine zero, mention my name. And by the way, they have everyday rotating discounts on the 150 plus MyPillow products from their Giza Dream bed sheets to the MyPillow mattress topper, slippers, and much, much more. Anyway, it's simple. The sleep that you want, you need, you crave, you desire, and frankly deserve will be yours by going to MyPillow.com and clicking on the Sean Hannity Square. It's, it's, it's really that simple. Um, anyway... By the way, uh, Leo Terrell, uh, 2.0 Terrell, Greg Jarrett are joining us. Uh, welcome, both of you. Now, this is going to be an interesting verdict. You guys, first, before I get to anything else, you want to make a prediction. Jury verdicts are very hard to predict. Uh, Leo, we'll start with you. Guilty? Well, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be consistent with what I told you last time on your TV show. I think he's guilty as sin. Uh, there's no hung jury because they got verdict, so I think he's guilty. Greg Jarrett. Yeah, I think the evidence of guilt was overwhelming. Whether a jury would agree with that, you know, you just never know. Sometimes juries engage in what's called jury nullification. Uh, they realize the evidence points uh, beyond a reasonable doubt to guilt, but they just don't like like it. They don't want to do it. Maybe they, they like the defendant in some way, and so they simply ignore the facts, they ignore the law, and they're empowered to do that. Now, it's rare during nullification, but it does happen. But I, I think on balance, uh, any honest, reasonable person who is paying close attention to the evidence, the facts, the testimony, uh, you know, the, the text messages, the videotape surveillance, would reach the inexorable conclusion that Jesse Smollett is guilty. You know, this could, you know, depending on what the verdict is here, could could come back to a lot of the Democrats and their rush to judgment. Now, we do what we always do on this program, and both of you know my policy, and that is we don't rush to judgment. We believe in the presumption of innocence. You're innocent before being proven guilty in a court of law. Um, we had many presidential candidates, 2020 Democratic presidential candidates that weighed in on it, including Kamala Harris. We'll get to her in a minute. Cory Booker, 
you know, all expressing solidarity with Smollett at the time, uh, both both blasting the alleged attack as a attempted modern day lynching. And Biden also a candidate at the time tweeting, we are with you, Jesse, and that homophobia and racism have no place on our streets and in our hearts. Bernie Sanders, the racist homophobic attack on Jesse Smollett is a horrific instance of surging hostility towards minorities around the country. Um, and it can go on from there. Democrat Eric Swalwell. What happened to Jesse Smollett is vile and tragic. Thankfully, he will recover. But hate crimes like this are happening more frequently. Will there be consequences if, in fact, the verdict comes back guilty? Leo. I think the verdict is, is necessary for, the, for there to be a guilty verdict. Why? Because Jesse Smollett represents everything that's bad about the system. There are true victims of racism, anti-gay uh, gay bashing. Those people are basically on pins and needles, Sean, because there are true cases, real cases. This guy was a fraud, so he has to be found guilty of a hoax because legitimate cases are in jeopardy with guys like him. And and Greg Jarrett, if it look again, none of us know, and and we we've said this before in, in previous cases that we've covered, uh, and and more recently we were correct in our predictions. Uh, but Smollett, you know, took the stand in the case. How did you think he held up under cross? Any case involving uh, race always uh, tempts politicians, especially liberal politicians, in their media collaborators to rush to judgment. They didn't know the facts. Uh, the facts have barely uh, been been dipped into when people like Kamala Harris, you know, pronounced it a modern-day lynching, the same way Joe Biden smeared uh, Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. So, you know, uh, it, that part of the equation is not uh, unexpected. They always do that. Smollett, how did he hold up on on cross-examination? He did not hold up well, in part because his story just didn't make sense. It didn't match up with the surveillance. It didn't match up with the text message. Well, talk about the surveillance in particular, because the surveillance you're talking about is what, the 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 day before the right you know he ran through the the next day's events the surveillance tape uh, that police uh, presented uh, to prosecutors who presented to the jury uh, was what they called a dry runner dress rehearsal of the attack beforehand uh, and it was compelling evidence of guilt uh, and, and so, too, the fact that police were able to corroborate every aspect of the two brothers' story uh, who said Smollett paid them uh, for the hoax. That all matched up. What didn't match up was Smollett, Smollett's story. He claimed the attackers were white. The, the brothers certainly are not. The defense attorney told the jury the brothers were indeed his clients' attackers, so you know, Smollett struggled to try to explain that. Uh, and, you know, he sent text messages to the brothers uh, stating he knew they were innocent. That was construed as an attempt to get them to clam up. Uh, you know, the prosecutor uh, recited another uh, message uh, that one of the brothers testified to from Smollett. Quote, I, I want you to attack me, but when you hit me, I want you to kind of pull your punches a bit. Pull your punches, yeah. Seriously hurt. You know what I mean? 
that's powerful stuff, you know, Sean, and, and that tells a jury that this was a hoax. When you look at the timeline, Leo, Smollett received the racist, homophobic, threatening letter at the studio in Chicago where Empire's film. Police believe that Smollett sent the letter himself. Uh, Smollett tells police he was attacked by two men, and, and Greg points out that were white. In fact, they are not. Um, and police say Smollett, who is uh, African-American and apparently, according to all reports, gay, that he told detectives the detect the attackers yelled that he was in MAGA country, an apparent reference to President Trump's Make America Great Again. Now, police say the investigation has shifted after detectives questioned the brothers and the follow-up. His lawyers say he feels victimized, but you got the testimony of the two other men involved in this. Uh, I, I, I don't see how you get a verdict anything other than guilty, but we'll see. Here's the thing about it. I mean, the the, the letter to the uh, studio did work. The guy was making a hundred thousand dollars per episode. He has he's an egomaniac, egomaniac, a narcissist, and then basically his whole strategy. And every guy, every great said it spot on. But his whole strategy was to go after one or two jurors to make this a race case. You know, his comment: uh, "I didn't go to the police because I don't. I'm a black man. I don't trust the police." I mean, it's just nonsense. And then you had Black Lives Matter jumping into the hoop in the last 24 hours. They support Jesse Smollett. This guy is nothing more than a liar. And what's going to happen is. If the jury system works, vindication will come about, and he will be found guilty. And this is why this will serve as a deterrent to the left. Well, they may not because they don't care if the truth is always is in play. They don't deal with the truth. They deal with lies. But this will serve as a deterrent that you cannot go into a courtroom and lie. And one final point, Sean, this, this attor- his attorney should be up for some ethical charges because, let's face it, he has a dude. They had an obligation to make sure he didn't get up, get up on that witness stand and lie. And I think they knew. So you got Joe Biden, you got Kamala Harris, and her tweet: "Jesse Smollett at Jesse Smollett is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings I know. I'm praying for his quick recovery. This was an attempted modern day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or the color of their skin. We must confront this this case." Uh, Cory Booker, this vicious attack on Jesse Smollett was an attempted modern-day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. To those in Congress who don't feel the urgency to pass anti-lynching, uh, an anti-lynching bill designing lynching as a federal hate crime, I urge you to pay attention. And we can add Al Sharpton. As you mentioned, Black Lives Matter, their comments this week. Uh, the Human Rights Campaign, Time's Up, all these groups you know, th- this is the risk of everybody o- always rushing to judgment, Greg Jarrett. Yeah, it is. And, you know, people uh, should take the approach that, that you have consistently taken, Sean. And that is, let's wait till we get more information before we start opining as to what happened. Uh, and you are always quick to point out that people are presumed innocent. Uh, that they, you know, will have their day in court. But politicians, especially in, in a racially inflamed uh, case, you know, love to prejudge and preordain uh, the result. And, and, of course, they end up embarrassing themselves a lot of the time. And this is, you know, sort of a classic case of it. Look, I mean, this thing, this thing didn't make sense from the beginning when Smollett said he was attacked by, by people who said, um, this is MAGA country. Chicago? 
MAGA. I mean, that that didn't make sense. Uh, out at 2 in the morning uh, to get a Subway uh, sandwich, uh, you know, and, and attacked by people he knew who just happened to know at 2 in the morning he would be there. This thing never added up. Uh, and yet politicians, you know, ignored all of that. I'm going to let you both go, but you'll both be joining me on Hannity tonight. Leo 2.0 Terrell, Greg Jarrett, thank you. Uh, we have Dave in Wisconsin. Dave, you're on the Sean Hannity show as now everybody's making their way back into the courtroom for the reading of the verdict in the smaller case. Eight. What do you say, Dave? What's on your mind? Thanks for uh, taking my call and thanks for all you do, Sean. I'm thank just you. curious if he is found, if he is found guilty, um, how would that not be considered uh, a hate crime? Since he made reference to MAGA, um, you know, Caucasian people, how, how is that not reverse racism? You know, you can call it whatever you want. If, if you look, I've often said this. When people lie about other people, there's a reason it made the top ten in terms of the Ten Commandments not bearing false witness. Because it's so damaging. And I know people that this has happened to. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible if somebody does that. We'll find out soon what the jury thinks in this case, though. Uh, big time AJ Houston, Texas. What's going on, my friend? Big time. Big time, Sean Kennedy. Hey, real <laughs> quick. Hey, uh, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And I want to say, ho, 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 Merry Christmas to all the little kids and everybody at the Sean Kennedy Show. Hope y'all have a merry, merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Big oh, time. I, I, think, I think big time AJ is coming back to be uh, to join us for a special program this year. That's what I think. Oh, that would be great, Sean. That would be great. That will give us a little shiny, shiny in the country after all what Joe <laughs> Biden and the crooks did in the country. But now, uh, to the idiots, uh, he's guilty. I mean, Sean. All we did to make race relations better until Obama got in there and messed it up. And then after that, here come Biden messing it up worse and worse and worse. And now here this guy going to try to pull that crap. Sean, we worked hard to try to make America what it is. And we don't need no race. We people, we God's people, man. We don't need all that crap. That is a bunch of baloney, and he should be charged for what he did, for false impersonation. That's what that is. And it's sickening to wait, you know, to know that somebody's doing that. Look, I thought the evidence was pretty compelling. But I don't like to predict what juries are going to do. I didn't like to do it in the case of Rittenhouse. I, to me, the case was overwhelming and incontrovertible. Uh, the jury took its time. I thought the longer they were out, the, the perhaps the worse it was getting for Rittenhouse. But it was by state law in Wisconsin, by definition, self-defense. All right, big time, AJ. I expect to speak to you soon. Um, listen. Uh, let me warn uh, my affiliates across the Sean Hannity Show network that we are staying with our coverage. We expect the verdict to be read any second now in the Jussie Smollett hate hoax trial. Uh, we're going to take calls in the meantime. We have Trish is in uh, West Virginia, 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to weigh in. What's up, uh, Trish? How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for taking my call, and I'll be quick. Um, another gentleman had just stated what I had called in to say, and that is this should be charged as a hate crime. It is hate against the race. It is hate against the political uh, group. It's a hate crime. 
and I don't understand why it's not being charged as such. Thank you so much for talking to me, and have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful day uh, yourself. Uh, anyway, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting because, you know, there's a reason why we are always right. You know, how is it that, you know, we saw what was coming in the Rittenhouse case? Right. We, I mean, it was obvious when you go, went through each individual case, you see a kid running away from a crowd, a mob that's chasing him. They tackle him to the ground. A guy's about to stomp his foot into his face, into the pavement. That's self-defense. You have a case of another guy that is admitting that he pointed a loaded gun at Rittenhouse's head. That's self-defense by anybody's definition. And then the case, and it was on video, of one guy with a horrific history of atrocious uh, behavior grabbing the the rifle of Kyle Rittenhouse. And, and still people think you just don't know which way the verdict's going to come back, even though by the very definition in the law in Wisconsin, it was crystal clear um, that this was acting within the law. And it wasn't that hard to figure out. You know, I'm looking at this timeline, and then what the police have been able to pick up here, police, you know, he tells police he was attacked 2 a.m. Actor says the men used racist, homophobic slurs, wrapped a rope rope around his neck, poured an unknown substance on him. And the two people involved, he claimed, were white, as Leo pointed out. It turns out that that was not the case. And then we find out through... You know, that, that he did a dry run, as they call it, caught on surveillance video the day one day before the alleged hate crime attack. I mean, that's pretty compelling evidence. And then, of course, the text messages and private messaging between him and the other two people involved that testified against him. Let's go to Los Angeles. Uh, we expect this verdict to be read any minute now. Anyway, Will is in Los Angeles. K-E-I-B. What's up, Will? How are you? Hi, good afternoon. Yeah, I, I wanted to point out something. I thought it was bleach that was said that was thrown on him. And the thing about bleach is it freezes at 18 degrees. So with the temperature at 20 below zero, uh, what did they throw on him? I don't remember the bleach possibly- allegation for some reason. I just, it, you know, remember this happened three years ago. Correct, yeah. But there was a big deal about it. And I looked it up. Bleach freezes at 18 degrees. So if they threw bleach on him, they were throwing chunks of ice. <laughs> that would have cut him up and beat him up like he'd been hit with a hammer. I don't know that part of it, but if if you're right, then it's news and information I never had before. I'll 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 tell you that. Um, well, it just fur- it furthers that this is kind of a story. You know, it should have started with once upon a time instead of you know for real. You know. Jesse Smollett said under oath there was no hoax. He said he was driving, said he was smoking a blunt and texting with a woman about an MSDNC appearance. Then he testified the attack felt like Looney Tunes when he was attacked. But then you got the testimony, pull your punches and other things that were said. Um, it's just, it's, it's just going to be interesting. And, you know, I find the jury system as imperfect as it might be at times. We've learned that through the Innocence Project that, you know, people that are innocent are proven innocent after they spend decades in jail. It's a great group. Harry Sheck founded this years ago. 
Um, it's changed my opinion on the death penalty, considering so many people, because of new modern techniques with DNA evidence, they can find out the truth and veracity of, of some of the evidence, and they test it for DNA, and they find, oops, we made a mistake. But if it's on videotape, that would be compelling enough for me. Um, but we're going to watch. Look, there's a reason we've been right, and this is the lesson I always say that I learned in the Richard Jewell case. And that is, I was on the air, the AJC comes out, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, fits the profile of the lone bomber because he lives with his mother. And I remember saying on air, well, just because he lives with his mother doesn't make him a domestic terrorist. I didn't know he was listening that day. I found out later, and I got one of the first interviews with him. And that has served us well with Ferguson. We ended up being right because... We had sources on the ground that said there were numerous eyewitnesses that confirmed the story of Officer Darren Wilson, that it was, in fact, Michael Brown reaching into the car and trying to grab the police officer's gun. It was Michael Brown charging the police officer. The same thing with Freddie Gray, Duke Lacrosse, UVA. How is it we always end up being right? Because we don't rush to judgment and we do our own fact-checking, something the media and these idiot politicians ought to start learning from. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Oh, wait, we're almost at the end. Well, we're at the end of the show. I'm not going to get the verdict on. Darn it. Uh, but what I'm hoping is, is that we'll have it for you tonight. Anyway, so uh, tune in tonight. The verdict has been reached in the Jesse Smollett hate hoax trial. My guess is I think it's going to come back guilty, but you never know. We'll have the answer tonight. Nine Eastern, set your DVR Hannity on Fox. We'll see you then back here tomorrow. We'll never forget you make this show possible. Thanks for being with us.